When my daughter was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome back in the early 1990s, it was difficult to describe what it is to people who did not live with my daughter and interact with her every day. When friends and family would ask about my daughter's condition, I would say Asperger's syndrome, then add a definition, a kind of high-functioning autism. But that did not help either. This was just a few years after the movie Rain Man was released, so autism had a particular image in popular culture. And today, while Asperger's syndrome is no longer the clinical term, it's now considered one point in the full autism spectrum, Asperger still has a place in popular culture and literature. In the TV series Glee, it was used as an excuse for one character to simply say whatever she wanted to say without any filter. In the newest depiction of Sherlock Holmes, actor Benedict Gumberbatch depicts the famous detective with most definite Asperger-like qualities. Speaking of Sherlock Holmes, one mystery writer seems to have gotten it right. Jeff Cohen, writing under the name E.J. Copperman, describes his lead character like this. For Samuel Honig, Asperger's isn't so much a syndrome as it is a set of personality traits. To me, this describes my daughter, too. She's 25 years old now, a college graduate, and I couldn't imagine her without these unique personality traits that make her who she is. Cohen has written a number of Asperger mysteries, including The Question of the Missing Head, The Question of the Unfamiliar Husband, and his latest, which will be released in October from Midnight Inc., is called The Question of the Absentee Father. Jeff is joining me here today on Indie Voices. Welcome, Jeff. How you doing, Howard? It's nice to be here. Great. Well, first, can you tell us what happens in The Question of the Absentee Father and the role Asperger's plays in solving the mystery, without any spoilers, of course? Samuel's gig, if you will, is that he has opened a storefront and put a sign up that says questions answered. Mm -hmm. And anybody who comes in who has a question that they, you know, are having trouble with, um, he will find, you know, he'll do the research and he'll find a way to answer it for you if he finds it interesting. Um, But this one is a little different because what happens is that Samuel's mother asks him to find the father, you know, who left his family when Samuel was four. So... You know, it's a little bit more personal, and um, there aren't any dead bodies in it right, right away. So there's this uh, sort of uh, obsessive need to f- to find information that he finds interesting. I wouldn't say it's obsessive. I would say that what he's doing is he's realized that he has a talent for something, and he's trying to use it to his best advantage. So what what is unique about the mind of, of those with Asperger's that might lend it to solving mysteries? They're very good at focusing on something if they want to. Mm-hmm. Samuel is great at blocking out distractions that will keep him from you know, finding the correct answer. He's very specific about that. If a person walks in and tells them that they, that they have a problem, Samuel will tell them that he doesn't solve problems, he answers questions. Right. So, you know, uh, many autism stories focus on children as if they never grow up, and your lead character is an adult. Is it more difficult to create a fully believable adult on the autism spectrum? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, anybody who interacts with other people would probably run into somebody on the spectrum at some point or another. And it, I have noticed that, you know, they tend to focus on children. For one reason, I think, because it's easier to uh, elicit sympathy and partially because a lot of what's going on in autism research is about diagnosing earlier so that therapies can be put in place so that the person is 
you know, I guess less autistic later on or something like that. Right, right. Um, but um, I have, you know, when I was creating Samuel, I, I didn't actually base him on any particular person, although I do have a son who is 27 years old and he has Asperger's, um, which is kind of how I've gotten to understand better what it's all about. But Samuel is nothing like my son. The idea being that, you know, you mentioned the movie Rain Man. Um, when that came out, I think a lot of people had never heard of autism or didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And so when they saw the movie, they decided that was autism. Well, autism is a spectrum, as you know, and a lot of people are affected in a lot of different ways. So Samuel is one kind of person who has Asperger's, um, particularly in um, the question of the felonious friend. I, went, I, I tried as hard as I could to... Uh, have him interact with a range of people who are on the spectrum so that the reader would see that it's not just one thing. Right, right. Now, your lead character has an obsession with the Beatles, and, and I know from experience that there's a comfort in the autistic mind in memorizing each song and also the facts around each song and the personalities of each of the Beatles. And I can also add Star Trek obsessions to that list, too. Uh, do you model this uh, on, on people you know on the spectrum? Um, not especially. I mean, Samuel would not call it an obsession. He would say it was a special interest. Right. I know that, you know, people with Asperger's in particular, you know, when that used to be a diagnosis, you know, tend to have those special interests. They have some area that they know everything about. So since I was creating that character, and I absolutely hate doing research, <laughs> um, I gave him a vast knowledge of something that I already knew a good deal about. So that's really kind of my thing. Right. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't fixate on it po probably the way he does. I don't run around and ask everybody what their favorite Beatles song is so that you, I can figure out their personality better. Right. Um, he does that. I don't do that. But the idea is that, you know, he's kind of using what he knows you know, to help him in his work. So is there a danger of portraying those with Asperger's as a little bit cartoonish, as somebody who can perform tricks with their minds rather than as complex individuals with their own interests and talents? Sure, there's always a danger, and you have to work against that. You know, you have to kind of notice when you're doing it and then stop and go back and say, oh, I'm going to change that. I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm better than anybody else. And, you know, it's just that I've had the chance to observe and I've met a lot of people who are on the spectrum so I can, you know, kind of use that. But I have seen a lot of depictions that are sort of one-dimensional, mm -hmm. you know, sort of magic man, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I, I think people on the spectrum generally tend to find that somewhat offensive. Right. Uh, your books are primarily mysteries, and one of the characters happens to have Asperger's syndrome, and it's it's a part of the plot, but it's not the entire thing. If you will, the novelty of the series is not that there's a character with Asperger's, and it's that he's the one who's telling you the story. So, you know, because the book is written in the first person, everything that happens in it is seen through Samuel's eyes. Right. Even, you know, if somebody uses an idiom of some kind, and he does not understand what they mean by that, that's going to stop him for a minute, and he's going to think about it and ruminate about it and tell you about it when you're reading the book. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that helps him answer the question, and sometimes it you know, impedes him answering the question. Right. 
Now, you also wrote nonfiction, including The Asperger Parent, How to Raise a Child with Asperger Syndrome, and Maintain Your Sense of Humor. Um, I know what you mean, but can, can you give an example of how you can all laugh together while dealing with Asperger's? Well, you know, the thing is that you can't, I, I think, from our perspective, anyway, my son was diagnosed when he was five, I guess, or maybe six. I think it's a mistake to look on it as the tragedy of the Western world. You know, my son has this affliction. Oh, my God, how am I going to get by? Right. You know, how will I manage? Now, obviously, it's a spectrum. There are some people who are much more severely affected, and that's more difficult. But from our point of view, it was very much, this is our son, and that's who he is, and that's part of who he is, and we're just going to deal with it. So you do find, I mean, sometimes they do stuff that's funny, and there just isn't anything you can do about that. Right. That's true. My son one time, he was in high school, I guess, or maybe middle school, I don't remember. You know, he comes home 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he goes, comes home, immediately goes into his routine where he does his homework, because that was, you know, people with Asperger's are very much into routine and schedule. So it was like, you walk in the door, you do your homework, he got done with that after however long, I don't remember, and, and you know, that he was going to go into the kitchen and get himself something neat. But that's what he did after he finished his homework. So he goes into the kitchen, and my office is on the other side of that wall. So I can hear him, but I can't see him. And I, he sits down, he's having whatever he's having. And all of a sudden, I hear him go, ah. And I, you know, kind of look around at the door, and what's going on, Josh? And he goes, I just realized I've had my shirt on backwards all day. <laughs> now, you have a choice. You can you can go to bed that night and cry into your pillow that your son is different from everybody else and how's he going to get by in the world? Or you can say, that's really funny, and the two of us had a good laugh about it. Right, right. You know, so that's kind of what I'm talking about in that book. I mean, it's been a while since that book, but still, that's, you know, that's what I was getting at. It was like, if you, if you try and paper over the stuff that's funny and, and look at it as a terrible affliction you're missing out. Right, exactly. It's, it's a, an intrinsic part of who he is. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you celebrate that, you know. And um, I'm sure I've showed up to work a few times with my shirt on backwards, too. So <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, so, in general, how has fiction gotten Asperger's and autism wrong, and how has it gotten right? Well, I can't claim to be an expert on the subject. It's, you know, the, the shining example, I guess, is always Rain Man. Mm -hmm. And... It's the idea that he has, the, you know, it, they tend to, what they tend to do is to layer on, you know, the, the character is somewhere on the autism spectrum, and he's also a savant, right. you know, so he can tell you how many matches hit the floor when the matchbook drops, and he can go to Vegas and count cards and do all the stuff, that, you know, whatever it is, that, you know, you can make all kinds of money because you brought that guy along with you. Well... You know, most people aren't like that, and most people on the spectrum aren't like that. So, you know, I think for the purpose of telling a more entertaining story, the idea of people on the spectrum has become kind of this strange, offbeat person who can do, you know, amazing things because of, you know, this problem that they have. Well, like humanity in general, they're, they're, people have a spectrum of interests and personalities, and, and autistic people are, are no different than uh, from the rest of us. Exactly. When I used to tell people, you know, teachers and people, you know, when you start the school year, you go and meet with the teacher. And what I would always say is, Josh is exactly like everybody else, just more. Right. And that's kind of what it came down to. It's like, you know, he'll react 
like a seven-year-old will react when he was, you know, seven, but he'll do it more. Right, right. You know, his reactions will be bigger. And you kind of have to, you know, you can try and talk him out of it, but good luck with that. The better way is to, you know, kind of know in advance what's going to set him off and not necessarily avoid it so much as pay attention to it. Right. Well, what kind of uh, new adventures do you have planned for your lead character, Samuel? Well, I actually have to start writing a new Samuel book in a couple of months, and uh, I really should come up with an idea for that. Okay. That would be a good idea. He's, he's not going to be looking for his father anymore, I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jeff. Uh, I appreciate your time, and, and, and good luck with your books. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I had fun. Thank you. Bye. Take care.